Murder. Murder. Welcome to Death Do Us Part podcast hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. What up, y'all? Hey. Hey. Sorry, I was taking a drink of bubbler. Mm. Is it good? Yeah, it's just sparkling water. Flavored water. No, it's good. Uh, I'm not a fan of sparkling water. It's good. Then you won't fucking drink it. No, I won't. I'll stick to my monster. Look at that. My monster. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, here we go. I'm not going to say anything. Thank you. So we had some excitement the other night. Jesus fucking Christ. Mm, So someone tried walking into our door and... They were going to die if they did. Yeah. Chance uh, was not happy, apparently. Nope. Nope. Mm -hmm. Someone was brazen enough to try getting into the house. Jax handled himself perfectly. The front motherfucking door at 930 at night. I know. Which you left unlocked. But I don't blame you, because I would have done the same thing. Jackson usually locks it behind you. I know he does. I know. I know. So it was unlocked. Someone tried just walking in. Someone didn't try walking in. They walked in. They they walked in, and I heard a male voice, and I'm like, who the fuck? You know, I didn't know if it was, like, Leah's boyfriend or something. They know better. And I'm, hello, hello. And then Jax runs out. He's poor guy's in the bathroom pooping his brains out. Yep. And he's like, hello. And then Chance goes nuts, saves the day, because then we hear, oh, shit. He said Chance flew over the last five stairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, the boy. dude ran out of the house. And Petey was great. They came I, two minutes. They yeah. were here. So I was at work. Yeah, and I I called you right away just asking where the gun was. And I'm like, but wait, what? what?" (laughs) Right. And one of my dispatchers got on the phone with Joliet. So Jackson said she deserves a promotion. Yep. So. And I I yelled at Jax, just run and get my gun. And he was great. He ran upstairs, kept calm. I got home in about four and a half minutes. You did. You did. I mean, because after it settled down and his adrenaline, you know, he had his adrenaline dumped. That poor baby. Yeah, he was was shaken up. He was scared. And he, so I wasn't going to leave work necessarily when you were like, everything's good. Like, Petey's here, you know. Yeah. But Jackson's like, Mom, if it happens again, Dad, Dad can't get up. Dad can't get up. Which I did, though. You did. Jesus would have made you walk. Oh, I yeah. I got up, went right to my wheelchair, and went straight See, for the front door. The, it's so funny, too. Not funny, but like the immense guilt that I felt and I still feel that I wasn't home is like overwhelming. Oh, no. What is, babe. I mean, I would have done the same thing, but... Yeah. Got the but, gun, came down, you know, but yeah. I don't know. I know. I know. I know it's irrational. You know, I shouldn't feel that way, but I do. So we spent the next day getting new door handles. Mm-hmm. Um, new locks. Yeah. And a, a, a good friends are our family. Yes. So yes. a buddy of mine came over who's a locksmith and was offering to come over Saturday night at 1130 at night. Yeah. To, to change, change everything. Lock. And I'm like, yep. no, tomorrow. No, tomorrow. So he came and changed everything, and 
we got a ring now and yep. yeah so we're all set yeah and so the neighbors they have a ring mm-hmm. you know so we always kind of call them nobody noticed the car jacks kept saying there's a car in the driveway that looks like mom's car and but, i i thought he was just saying that because you know he, he was excited right. and, may, you know, nope. whatever. The next day, the neighbor yep. comes over and says that his nine-year-old was looking back through the ring footage and saw a fucking car. Yep. Pull right <laughs> into our fucking driveway. Yep. So. Unfucking real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if they came in any further, they we would have had a dead body at the front door. It would have been not at least. It would have been a chew toy. Oh, yeah. Chance would have would have gone to town you know and it's funny because i talk about him at work and stuff and i was one of the the ladies that was there that night with you know my dispatcher she's another Mm. dispatcher i was talking about how jack said the dog went over the five steps and she's like what kind of dog do you have i was like he's a shepherd pity mix and she's like oh and then i showed her a picture and she's like oh my god look at how big his head is yeah (laughs) i was like yeah he's a big wiener unless he needs to be i said he didn't leave anybody's side since he laid last night with his head on your foot for how long? Uh, yep, yeah. exactly. So these are little puppies. Yeah, he's a good boy. He's looking at me like I can't move down. Oh, I gave him like three treats right after. So that's why we got him. Yep, good boy. Yep. So if you don't have a dog, if you don't have a gun, oh please, my god, that please get something. Me. I was talking about it at work this morning, and one of the girls said have you ever heard this guy a comedian and i'm like no first of all he's on stage with no shirt on oh yeah and he's talking about how the best thing to do when you get off work he's like you come home you get drunk and you do a perimeter around your house yeah <laughs> guy's fucking hilarious yeah he, he's always on uh joe rogan oh he's great he's like they come inside they see dog cock and glock then yep. what? <laughs> so, I forget his name. Oh, I can't uh, remember. I have the clip. She sent it to me, though. Like Andy Bernard or something. I don't know. I thought she said Burt Reynolds, which, I mean, she could. Yeah, his first name starts with a B. She I quite think. possibly could have said Burt Reynolds, and I would have believed her. Oh, yeah. You know, don't matter. Oh, yeah. I, I know exactly who you're talking about, though. He's, he's hilarious. Hilarious. But, yeah, he's always on Joe Rogan. So. Yeah. Yep. So and that was uh, that was our excitement for the week. Motherfuckers! I think that's enough excitement that I'm, we need. I would like to be done. <laughs> yes. But yeah, that was our mm. excitement. Yep. So yeah. So what else is going on? Nothing. Now. Yeah. I mean, you miss work for it, so I fucking <laughs> flew home. You did. You made it home quick. That's probably the fastest I've ever. Yeah, the one you, lady was like, I was worried about you driving because I was worried like your blood pressure's up, your sugar's probably up, and you're going to drive really fast. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, and then I was telling, you know, the other one, well, we got to call her and find out. And the other one's like, I already talked to her. Yeah. So she's like, how, how you must have been driving like 100. And I was like, yeah, like 100, 110. <laughs> no deal. I got the fuck home, though. Yeah, you you got home quick, yeah. so I appreciate it. He was Little man like, appreciated Mama, it. Mama, come, come home. Mama, come yeah, home. That he, was it. Yeah, that's Time that's all it takes. Yep. <clears throat> that's all it takes. Do you keep hitting the table with something? I don't think so. I don't know. It could be my fucking glasses hitting something. I don't mm, fucking know, babe. Well, here's something dinging. I don't know. I'm tired. I have a ton of shit to do. I don't want to do any of it. I know. But whatever. I know. What a fuck.
I did my chores for the for the day though. Like legit chores. I did. I did. You proud of me? I am. I'm very proud of you. Yep. I I swept up all the dog hair. I put the dishes away. I put the dishes in the dishwasher. Did you teaching Jax how to use the dishwasher? It's huge. And he's like, I'm gagging. I'm going to gag. And you're like, Mom gags every day. Just grab it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He's like, the water is disgusting. It's sick. I'm like, I I don't care, buddy. You're like, you got to hurry up. You need to go a little quicker. Yeah, because he's going. (coughs) Jeez, are you dying? No, my brain's falling out. Um. Yeah, he's like, you know, he's going one by one with the spoons and forks. Oh, yeah. I'm like, dude, you got to go fucking quicker. Mm-hmm. Like, come come the fuck on. So I'm like, just fucking grab him, dude, and yeah. let's go. Let's do this shit. Let's get it over with. He'll learn. But Mama, it, it went well. Mama threatened a grippy sack vacation. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. You know. So. Yep. That's about it. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. That's all we need. (laughs) It's been four fucking days since we recorded last. Exactly. Something always fucking happens. Dude, I swear to God. Unfucking real. Too much. I don't know. But you you got a good case for us today. I do. So let me... I'm kind of excited for it. So now this case, I, I could have made probably three parts. Oh, really? Yeah. So Is that going to be a two-parter? No, no. I cut out a lot of like fluff-ish. Oh, yeah, we Just cuz it's a it's a relatively famous true crime case. Like a lot of people know it. Yeah. Um so I didn't get very into detail about the actual murders themselves because it's children. Oh, and I Jesus. didn't really feel the need to. Yeah. Um so, yeah. It's one of those I've, like I've heard about it, but I I yeah. never really looked into it. I you did say it was about kids, yeah. which sucks. It's like so I don't know. It's like you know everybody in the U.S. knows like Jeffrey Dahmer and John Wayne Gacy. Mm-hmm. Well, when you say you know Ian Brady and and Myra Hindley, everybody in the U.K. is like ah oh, fuck. Like it's that's the case that they know. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm I'm, yep. I'm excited to learn. Uh, I want you to school me. All right. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I don't even have like a, an intro because it's just too much. So that that crazy, yeah. huh? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a rough one. Like it, it's mm. a rough. I left out a lot of details about the murders because I it's a, it's a rough one. Trigger warning. I, I mean, people know, but like this is this is evil. This is just. True, oh, yeah. well, to kids. Legit evil. Yeah. At no point in time, either, did either one of them say that they were crazy or they had mental illness or that they were like, yeah, we like doing it. Oh, that's fucking evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's evil for so, you. So, yeah. All right. So, Ian Duncan Stewart was born January 2nd, 1938 to Margaret Peggy Stewart in the Gorbals area of Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, she was 19, and he was born at Rotten Row Maternity Hospital. Oh, nice! <laughs> Great name for a hospital. <laughs> what the, the hospital? Dad. What the fuck is that about? <laughs> so, how fucking ridiculous yeah. is that? So, Peggy was an unmarried, um, which nobody cares now, but it was a big to do then. An unmarried tea room waitress. 
And Ian's father's identity has never really been confirmed, but Peggy maintains that he was a Glasgow reporter who actually died three months before Ian's birth. Hmm. Uh, Peggy struggled. She had to get a job to pay for childcare, but couldn't get a job without childcare. So she ends up putting an ad in a shop window uh, for like an unofficial adoption. Mm. She'll pay one pound weekly to care for Ian. What's a pound equivalent to? I have no idea. I should have looked it up because I knew you were going to ask me. Yeah. um, While you continue, I'm going to look it up because I'm curious. So she wanted somebody to care for Ian, but she would still be mom, you know. So this couple, Mary and John Sloan, who actually had three kids of their own, um, were a very kind and loving family, but also relatively poor, but took him in anyways. So you ready? Yeah. One pound is e- equivalent to $1.23. So that was like a big fucking deal back then. Yeah. You know. So Ian knew from, from the get-go that those were not his parents, um, but he called them Ma and Da, Aww. which I love. Yeah. Um, he said, and see, here's the other thing, this that whole nature versus nurture thing. Neither one of them, like, had that shitty of a childhood. Right. Ian's mom, for, for all intents and purposes, was, she, she did the best she fucking could. Right. You know? Right. So, Ian would say that the Sloans gave him everything that he wanted, and he never felt neglected, but deep down he felt like an outsider. But well, not, like, they never made him feel that way. Yeah. You know? So... It didn't stop him, he would say, from being close. Um, he was a good kid, had lots of friends, got along with his adoptive siblings for the most part. Um, Peggy would visit every night and every weekend. Wow. So, like, she saw him every day. Yeah. You know? Um, he was great in school. He excelled in writing and English. Um, they, the Sloans had him go to church, but he questioned religion right from the jump and said it. he was an atheist. From, yeah. You know, I get it. Would in Sunday school would say he right off the bat didn't believe in God. No. Um, he learned how to play the piano and loved classical music and reading. Um, he was just a, an avid reader, read all the time. Really? Which is, I mean, I used to. I get it, but yeah, you. Oh my God, you're crazy with books. Yeah. So his traumatic thing that happened when he was a kid. Um, they would play a game called Catch the Hudgie. Mm-hmm. They would grab on to the back of a truck and like hang on for as long as you could hang on. Yeah. Well, one time a kid slipped and fell and went under the tires. Ugh. And he said all he remembers seeing was like a child's shoe filled with blood. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, That's pretty bad. But he's like, well, he shouldn't let go. Yeah. <laughs> True. You're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, so, I, mean, I mean, he's mm. got a point. Um, his mom, Peggy, actually became involved with a man who wanted to move to Australia. Ian didn't want to go. He said, I don't want to leave the Sloans. My friends are here and everything like that. So Peggy stayed. She she broke up with dude. He went to Australia on his own and uh, she stayed with Ian. Wow. Is it, see? Uh, at nine years old, they took a family trip to Lac Limon, which is where Ian discovered his love for the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was accepted into Shawlands Academy, which was a school for above average students. And this is about the time he became a shit. He started hanging out with shits. Mm-hmm. He carried a flick knife, which is like a, a switchblade. Yeah. Essentially. 
Um, ended up going before juvenile court twice for, they call it housebreaking over there. Uh, he left what, the- burglary? Yeah. He, okay. he left the academy at 15, so he essentially dropped out of school. Uh, and took a job as a T-boy at a Harland and Wolf shipyard in Gorin. Oh, I just hit the mic. Sorry. Um, nine months later, he started working as a butcher's messenger boy. So, uh, during this time, Peggy met and married an Irish fruit merchant named Patrick Brady uh, around 1950. She moved to Manchester. Uh, she would still come visit. Manchester. Yeah, she would still come visit Ian, but the visits were less frequent. But Ian was like, we still talked. Like, it wasn't a big deal. And he actually liked Patrick and really got along with him. Yeah. Um, Ian at some point started a relationship with uh, a girl named Evelyn Grant. But that ended when he pulled his flick knife on her after finding out she went to a dance with another boy. Oh, well, I mean, that's normal. That's what you get. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know. That's what I would do. Oh, I know you would. Shit. So... He ended up going to court with nine pending charges for that. Whoa. <clears throat> Just shy of his 17th birthday, he was released on probation on the condition that he went and lived with Peggy. Mm-hmm. So he moved to Manchester. Uh, Patrick got him a job as a fruit porter at Smithfield Market, and he ended up taking the surname Brady. That's how he became Ian Brady. Ah, makes sense. So within a year, he was caught stealing, stealing a sack of lead seals, which is like to make like the wax seal thing. <clears throat> the wax like seal? On, oh, the old type, the olden days, the envelopes, oh, the wax seal. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. <clears throat> he was sent to Straightways for three months, which is a category AB men's prison. So it's like a max prison. Okay. Um, it took them three months to realize that he was actually a minor. And he probably shouldn't have been in there. Oh, good job. So then he was sentenced to two years in a borstal for quote unquote training. What's a borstal? A borstal is a type of youth detention center. Ah. Thank uh, you. First, he went to Latchmere House in London, then Hatfield Borstal in West Riding of Yorkshire. Uh, after getting drunk on his own hooch that he made. Yeah. He was moved to Hull in East Riding of Yorkshire, which was considered the tougher unit of Hatfield. You got the hooch. He was making baby. it. Baby. Uh, on November 14th of 1957, he was released and returned to Manchester. He ended up taking a laboring job that he hated, left there, took another job at a brewery that he also was fired a from. Brewery. Shut up. Words are hard. <laughs> Words. Um, so he decided at this point to, quote, better himself. And he obtained bookkeeping instruction manuals from the library mm. and taught himself. Uh, nice. In January of 1959, he applied for and was offered a clerical job at Millwords, which was a wholesale chemical distribution company in Gorton. He was described by coworkers as quiet and punctual, but short tempered. Um, it would later be reported that Ian tortured animals at a young age oh, and was obsessed, but was obsessed with Nazis as a young adult. Oh, he what? adamantly denies both. Um, wow. He said That's he would never, strange. he would never harm an animal ever. Yeah. He actually stabbed a guy for hurting a horse. <clears throat> okay. Um, and he said he was no more interested in Nazis than anybody else after the war. So, and here's the thing, like, with him. Those damn Nazis. So, 
Myra's a lion sack of shit. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, I, I did it. You know? And if he's not going to lie about what he did to children, why would he lie about hurting animals? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. What, what difference would it make? He's also a piece of shit, but he's like an honest piece of shit at least. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I, I get what you're saying. <clears throat> what he's saying, you can believe. I yeah. Guess. I don't know. Um, so Myra Hinley was born on July 23rd, 1942 to parents Nellie and Bob Hinley in Gorton. Which Nellie, was, I love that I name. Uh, it was a working class area of Manchester dominated by Victorian slum housing. Uh, Bob insisted that Myra be baptized Catholic as an infant and it would actually have a lasting effect on her. Go figure. Um, mm-hmm. It was said that he, um, her father, he was a war vet. Very, very well-known war vet, decorated, um, was also a championship boxer in the military. Um, However, she would say at some point that he was an alcoholic and had frequent violent tendencies towards his wife and children. Um, At one point, like he did, they would fight at night. So she would go stay at her grandma's house who lived down the street. Yeah. Um, they had poor living conditions. She slept in a single bed next to her parents' bed, and it became worse after her sister Maureen's birth in 1946. Hmm. Um, so at some point, the girls went and lived with Gran. That's what they called her. Gran? Gran. They called her Gran. Without a D. Right. Gran. Gran. Okay. Um, <clears throat> she would say that any, gam, gam. any good in her came from Gran. Now, dad was an alcoholic, whatever, but he still insisted that the girls eat at home every night. You know, like they still yeah. spent time with the family before he got like shit faced and mean. So okay. <clears throat> uh, the father was known as a hard army man who taught his daughters to fight and stick up for themselves, which I have no fucking problem with. I have no problem with that. That's I think every father should. Um, <clears throat> he taught her how to punch the right way, which. Fuck, we did. Yeah. Leah came home one day and she's like, Mom, this girl's going to beat my ass. And she told me what happened and I was like, yeah, that girl's going to beat your ass. Yeah. So So we we taught her. We taught her how to punch. I showed her how to pull her hair back and don't wear a hood and you taught her how to throw a punch. Let's be realistic here. That girl was going to beat the fuck out of her. Yeah. So at least know how to defend yourself. Exactly. You know? So I I don't see anything wrong with that. If if we're at fault for that. Sorry. Oh, well. Whatever. I, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. <clears throat> My dad always told me, don't throw the first punch. But make sure you fucking exactly. throw the last one. Yes. So, I, I was told and taught the same thing. Yeah. So at age eight, she was actually getting bullied by a little boy who reached out and scratched her face. She went home crying to her dad and he threatened to, quote, leather her if she didn't retaliate. So obviously he was going to hit, hit her, her with, with a belt. A belt. <clears throat> So she found this little shit and she beat the fuck out of him. Wow. <laughs> you scratch. He drew fucking blood. Oh, uh, yeah. So yep. when she got home, he was like, I'm very proud of you. Hey. Okay. Yeah. She defended herself. Yeah. I, I got no problem with that. So around that time, too, there was a little boy um, around the area that was two years younger than her that was getting bullied, too. And she beat the fuck out of his bullies. <laughs> and hey. Then they became inseparable. <clears throat> that's that's cool. Her tragic moment, though, was in June of 1957 when uh, Michael Higgins, that was his name, invited her to go swimming. She actually had other plans. I was like, ah, maybe we'll go tomorrow. He ended up drowning. Oh, God. Yeah. 
and she she blamed herself. Oh, um, that she so, wasn't there. Yep. So she yeah. shortly after began taking instruction for formal reception into the Catholic Church. Uh, very shortly after the funeral, took the confirmation name of Veronica and made her first communion in November of 1958. Veronica? Yeah, that doesn't sound like a very Catholic name, does no, it? No, I thought it had to be like a name from the Bible. I mean, because mine is Michael. Yeah. I thought it had to be somewhat... Re- I, is Veronica religious? You're asking me? If yours yeah, is why? Michael, what's what's your brother's? Uh, John or Stephen? Because, yeah, you don't take... You take a communion name. Now, usually yeah. that's like your second middle name, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so, why the fuck am I asking you? Uh, right? But you, you were baptized Catholic, We right? were baptized non-denominational. Oh, I thought you were baptized my Catholic. My mom. My mom was baptized Catholic. Okay. My mom and her brothers were baptized Catholic and went to Catholic school like their whole lives. And now my one uncle uh, is actually atheist. Really? Yeah. I mean, I get it. But in high school, like grade school, I had it rough. And yeah. It, it, it's like whatever. My dad too. But I I had cool yeah. priest teachers for the most part yeah. in high school who, you know, basically said, you know, in theology, yeah. but it, it, it's up to you. You know, don't believe everything. Well, and that's, yeah, that's what my parents said. And my mom was like, it, it got shoved down my throat yeah. so much. Like, I don't want to do that to you guys. If you're interested, I will promote it. I will take you. I will do whatever you want to do, but... Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't like, like a big thing with Jax. Like I, I want him to be, and he's interested in it. He he's is. learning. Mm-hmm. He is. So, so yeah, you got to believe what you believe. I, I do want him to be baptized. Yeah, though. of course. You know that that's the one thing I regret we haven't done yet is get him baptized. You know, I, I really so and, and I, me. I, I want to get rebaptized too. I you know, because I, I feel like I was born again. To be honest with you. I need all the fucking help I can get. What? I need all the help I can get. Oh, God. You walk into a church, it's going to fucking burn. burn. (laughs) That shit's going to burn to the ground. So she got her first job as a junior clerk at a local engineering firm. Now, I also heard it was a car dealer, too, but I don't know. Mm. Uh, She typed and ran errands, um, and at one point, so they were getting paid in cash, and she claimed that she lost an entire week's pay and went back to work crying. So all of her coworkers were like, well, that's fucking terrible, and they yeah. took up a collection. Oh, that's cool. She didn't lose her motherfucking check. That oh. bitch tried it again, and they're like, mm-mm. Oh, fuck you, bitch. Mm-mm. We know what's up. So now We she, know what's up, girl. She decided to change her looks. She dyed her hair platinum blonde and started to wear heavy eye makeup, and boys started to take notice uh she is very unfortunate looking is she really? just in general yeah Ugh. like she got hit in the face with a frying pan oh babe yeah that's and so like, mean it's not even like a resting bitch face it's like she can smell shit but You're she's just... not sure where it is <laughs> like she's like like, I always would say that about Renee Zellweger. Uh, she always has that look on her face, like, she, like somebody she's farted, smelling, and yeah, she's like, Who and she doesn't know did? where yeah. it's coming from. Yeah, Myra, Myra Hindley looks like she she can smell shit, but she can't figure out, like, what part of her is smelling like shit. 
<laughs> yeah. That's awesome. She's pretty unfortunate looking. <laughs> That's a great explanation, um, <laughs> babe. So at this point, she was reintroduced to Ronnie Sinclair, who is somebody she grew up with. Um, he was a good guy who reminded her of like the working side of her dad. She got engaged at some point between 17 and 18. Her dad was thrilled and her mom was like, no, dude, like it's your first boyfriend. Don't like live a little, you know? Right. So she kind of started, she was like, no, no, no. But then she kind of started to like little things started to annoy her and she thought maybe her mom was right. Mm -hmm. So she broke it off. Um, a fun fact, though, she took judo lessons, but had to quit Hi-ya. because she couldn't find a training partner because she was too slow to release her grip. So nobody wanted to train with her. <laughs> Can you Bitch, you're, you're kicking our ass. Let go, Panface. <laughs> right. Let go. Uh. So she took another job at an engineering firm, but was fired after six months for absenteeism. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that can't just burn? That's what I was looking at. I just saw some smoke. Baby like, Jesus what? is like, do not come in yep. my house. Right, yeah. right. Um, so in December of 1960-ish, or January of 1961-ish, depending on who you ask, uh, she got a job as a secretary and a typist at Millwards. Hmm. This is where she meets Ian Brady. Now, she says it's love at first sight. Oh. For her. Right. He didn't give a fuck. <laughs> um, she described it as, quote, instant fatal attraction. Ooh. He, on the other hand, uh, was not interested at all. Um, never once said that he was attracted to her in any way, shape, or form. Keep on stepping, biatch. <laughs> he said, quote, she was simply the new typist, as far as I was concerned. I paid no more attention to her than the rest of the females on the staff. Mm. He, on the other hand, was quite a snazzy dresser. Mm. He was always in a uh, three-piece suit and had a nice little pompadour. Ooh, yeah, Until there his you go. mug shot, then it looks like somebody shook him. Oh. Like it's just it, almost like Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> when it sticks out like that. Like someone shook him. Yeah. yeah. Um, he kind of had a pan face, too. Did he really? Um, yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah, well, they, they were very well-dressed, but very, very hard to look at. Um, he went on to say, uh, still, quote, that is to say, <clears throat> wait, because he said he, you know, didn't pay any more attention to her. Uh, that is to say very little. I can't recall having any memorable conversations with her. It was just standard routine office dialogue. I didn't go for her peroxide hairstyle. So he didn't like her fucking bleach blonde hair either. No. That shit hurts. Bleaching it? Oh, it hurts. i Remember, I I got my tips. Yeah, bleached. but I'm talking like when you bleach your hair and you're going down to the roots, like you're you're burning your fucking scalp. Uh, I could see that. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. So she started writing a journal and kept it locked Women up. Women in journals and leaving it in fucking places like this. Dude, what? I don't. I, I don't listen. Get it. Can you imagine? You don't. I don't get it. I if ta- you if you wrote a journal, I hate everyone. I hate right. it today. I hate this. <laughs> I did not go to prison. Right. Yeah. So right. like my journal is, is talking to my two girls at work. Yeah. And like you when you listen. Right. You know. So. I listen to you. Don't you, give me that shit. Oh my God. You know I listen. Do not give me that shit. 
Because when when you get home, I need to talk, and you, I feel like you don't listen to me. Like you're, uh huh, uh huh, sure. I listen to you. Uh huh. Okay. Dude, I'm a fucking mom. I hear you. Mm-hmm, okay. Calm down. All right. I'll calm my tits down. Jesus Christ, oh boy. <laughs> so the first entry in her journal said, "Quote: Ian looked at me today." Mm. Yeah. On July twenty third, she wrote, "Quote: I wonder if Ian is courting." Is what? Courting. The like fuck does that mean? Dating. If, if he's dating someone. Oh. Okay. Uh, babe, it's the fucking 60s. I, I'm sorry. God I don't know it. what fucking courting is. July 25th, she said, quote, haven't spoken to him yet. And then it escalates. July 27th, she wrote, quote, I banged his brains out. Spoke to him. <laughs> he smiles as though embarrassed. I'm going to change. You'll notice that in the way I write. Mm. August 14th. So we're talking like two weeks. Yeah. I love Ian all over again. He has a cold and I would love to mother him. (laughs) Bitch. Uh, Yeah. A little too much. Bitch. No. Mm -hmm. Don't fucking mother him. No. See, she started the fucking man cold. This is your fault. Myra Henley. <laughs> this is your motherfucking fault. Yep. You started this bullshit. Thank you. You started Thank it. Thank you for doing that. Fucker. We need our loving when we are sick, Jesus, babe. fuck. It, it's ten times worse when we get it, okay? Babe, the last time you got a cold, I vividly remember telling you that you whined less when you actually died. <laughs> <laughs> than this fucking cold you had. Babe, the colds Meanwhile, are terrible. I we need our loving. 17 times, and I'm like, okay, am I getting a cold, or is, is my, my brain literally right. going to explode? Like, this is my thought process. Mm-hmm. You sniffle twice, and you're like, I'm dying. I, I, I have COVID. Yeah, We have to go to the hospital. I'm dying. Right. Uh, okay. All right. I need your loving. No. You need help. <laughs> Two weeks after this, on August 29th, she writes, quote, I hope he loves me and will marry me someday. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, a psychiatrist would later say about Ian Brady that he was very well versed at dangling one on a string if they wanted to know something about him. But if he didn't want you to know, you weren't going to fucking know. Mm. Uh, Myra went on to say that the first year was absolute torture because he didn't talk to her. Oh, she would essentially stalk him outside of work. Um, looking, yeah, looking out for him at bars and walking her uh, baby niece past his house. She learned of his address after eavesdropping a work call. Oh, creep. Hello. Pan face got it. So Myra actually loved to read as much as Ian, and she would read on her lunch breaks. Well, he approached her one day to ask what she was reading, and that's just kind of how it started. Uh, In December of 1961, he asked her for their first date um, after a Christmas party that they attended on December 22nd. Uh, They met at Three Arrows Pub, went and saw a movie, got another drink, and then went back to Myra's. This is when they had their Netflix and chill, this baby. Is what I'm they had their first kiss. Ooh. Now, la, 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 la. Ian would later say that he liked violent kissing. 
Like teeth hitting, drying blood. Oh, Jesus Christ. He bit her the first time they kissed. Dude, take it easy. Well, she would go on later to say that like the type of sex that he wanted, she would have to get drunk first. (laughs) Oh, my God. Dude, like take it the fuck down a notch. He did notice, though, she was wearing a girdle. Yeah. You know what a girdle is, Yeah. Okay. Spanks, basically. Yeah. But worse. They had... Right. um, You tie it, right? No, that's a... um, Corset. That's a corset. A girdle had... um, Mom's going to kill me because I can't remember it. It's like it had wires and stuff in it. They're not comfortable. Um, I wouldn't think so. He said, quote, I don't like girdles. They accumulate stale sweat. I I mean, they do. They do. Yeah. So she never wore a girdle again. I don't want a smelly girl. No. No, I, I listen. I'll fuck with some spanks until you're like half in the bag, and then right. I I would venture to guess the amount of like spank shorts, you know, mm-hmm. the ones that kind of go down like halfway through. There. Like, how many get left in the bathrooms at weddings Ugh. because girls just get sick and tired of pulling their fucking spanks up and down. Oh, that's disgusting, babe. Why they just throw them out? They probably reek. No, they don't. Oh, ba- really. Well, I'm just saying. No, spanks are not like girdles anymore. They're breathable. And, oh, okay. yeah, no, no, no. Spanks okay. are not girdles. All right, not like old girdles. Um, so they went out again the next day on Christmas Eve, where he went to a church service with her and was not happy about it. So he peed on the wall. Well, I mean, if you gotta go, you gotta and go. I was like, that's what I think about that. <laughs> right. Um. Revolution. So then they went back to Myra's house and had sex. Hey. Now she had been saving herself for marriage Ooh. because she was she was religious. Yeah, and then Ian came along. So this is a big deal. And that was it. So it's a big deal. He met her parents. Um, her dad loved him, probably because they're both pieces of shit. Right. Um, mom hated him because he reminded her of her father. Oh jeez. <laughs> he um rode a Tiger Club motorcycle which they call a motorbike over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would randomly drive by her house. So she eventually stopped going out like all together to be home in case he drove past. Ooh. Pan face. Come on. <laughs> Pan face. Hurry come on. on. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Pan face. What are you doing? <sighs> now, she eventually expressed some concerns about Ian's behavior. Not to him. Obviously, she wrote a letter to a friend of hers about him drugging her once. But was like, it's cool because I'm totally obsessed with him. Oh, well, yeah. So it's okay. Like, why are you so obsessed with me? It is what it is. Uh, She then asked her friend to burn the letter. So. Sure. Why are you so obsessed with me? (laughs) Say crack. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. Remind me. (laughs) What? I was making fun of my boss earlier. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I was like, why the fuck are you walking like that? And he's like, my, my back's all, all crooked. And I was like, your back just doesn't go fucking crooked. Like, you don't just, uh, and your back goes crooked, you dipshit. Yeah. So he said it's like snaked almost. And he's like, so my one leg is like a quarter inch shorter than the other. <laughs> so I'm looking at him and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And Dude. then I got, you know, I got my one here and then I had another guy sitting in front of me. Yeah. And I was like, do you guys watch Friends? <laughs> do you remember the episode where Monica like bops Ben's head and Ross says that he's like, <laughs> yeah. what? so I get up and I do that and I'm 
dying because I'm like, I could picture him in the back just like. Oh, yeah. Corner. So then the other one's like, I can't move anything without yelling pivot. <laughs> so he starts yelling pivot. And I was like, shut up, shut up, shut up. So that was our day. That's awesome. Yeah, so his, his foot is a quarter inch shorter. Than oh, my God. That's awesome. So your back doesn't do that. I don't know. So Myra would later say, uh, quote, within months, he had me convinced there was no God at all. He could have told me that the earth was flat, the moon was made of green cheese, and the sun rose in the west, and I would have believed him. Such was his power of persuasion. Sorry, I know you hate when I look at you, but I had to take my sunglasses off because these ones are so dark that they actually make me tired. (laughs) Oh. Well, now I'm gonna look at you like a creep. You always do. I'm looking. Look at me. No. Look at me. No. <laughs> so I'll try not to look at you too, too creepy. Too late. <laughs> too late. <laughs> Already happening. All right. So in 1962, Myra said, "Quote: I have been at Millward's for 12 months and have only just got out with him." I hope Ian and I love each other all of our lives and get married and are happily ever after. Oh. Do you want to know what he said? What? Quote, I behaved as if nothing had occurred between us. This wasn't difficult because from my point of view, nothing had. Myra should accept that or find some loser in Pastor's New. She could do whatever she wanted. I intended to. Ooh. Yikers. So despite that, they started spending a lot of time together. Um, Reading on lunch breaks, walks through Saddleworth Moor. So that's why they call these the Moors murders. So a moor is like an open area. Ah, okay. Um, That makes sense. Yeah. So and Saddleworth Moor was like a place. So it's like this giant, totally vast land. Because I thought it was a name of someone. Um, So uh, it's like open land you you can walk through it you know it's just vast open land okay that makes sense um so even he admitted that they were starting to grow close uh they had many discussions about choosing your own path in life uh they decided that they didn't want to get married and they didn't want to have kids um ian would eventually say that um they could feel the joint momentum developing into a united force. Ooh, that's powerful. Yeah. Are they fucking superheroes? Him and Panface, man. Him against him, Panface against the world. <laughs> My God. Yeah. Fucking superheroes over here. So she called him Nettie, which was after like some show comic. Oh. And he okay. called her kiddo. You hate when I do that. You called me kiddo once, mad. and I about no. You call me hun when you're mad. Yeah. You yeah. called me kiddo once, and I looked at you, and I'm like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, you hate that. Hate it. Hate it. I call Leah kiddo. I though. am forty. I am not a kiddo. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you're right though. When I say hun, that's when oh, I'm, I know you're pissed. Yeah, yeah. that's when I'm. I'm or when you call you. me like Jamie, I'm like. <laughs> It's not my name. Like, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? So they were both admittedly and openly bisexual. Um, mm. They had little like. Hey. Things, you know, like. Um, by the way, I don't mean to cut you off. Someone hit me up and let me know about the pineapple. 
It's upside down. Kate it's told gotta me. It's got to be upside yes. down. It's got to be an upside how down. How do I, I? How does everyone else know that? I don't except know. Except us. I don't know. Kate, that was the first thing Kate said to me when I yes. walked into work today. Someone hit me up on yeah. social media and said that it's got to be upside down. Now remind me to tell you how they know. Ooh. Yeah. So now Kate. Yeah. No, she's not. Please. <laughs> That's yeah. what I was gonna say. Like, ooh, you got yeah. some gossip. But we know we know people who are. Oh, I know people too. It's very weird. I, I you know, there's a swingers place on thirty. Yes, like ten minutes from me. I know who went there. Oh, you know, knowing you and knowing who you know, I could probably figure it out. You're when I say the name, you're gonna be like, I okay. I probably don't even have to say it. Yeah. See so if a. Yeah, boom. Yep. yep. Like, so we don't we don't need who needs fucking words. <laughs> right. We don't need words. Come on now. So they had the same things. They yeah. would do um a groucho. So they would like raise their eyebrows at each other a couple times, meaning mm. look my way. Or they would say DC, which meant delicious creature, when they wanted to point out somebody attractive, oh. male or female delicious creature which is gross um isn't it yeah like creature so pan Pan face stopped dressing modestly and i love how you just refer to pan face do you want to see a picture of her she looks like a fucking pan pan face yeah i i do all right hang on because this is hilarious i i love how like your name for her is just pan face okay (laughs) pan face she was definitely fucking hit with a frying pan it like knocked her head back too. <laughs> she farted and like and that's she. Him. Okay, and he farted too, and he's smelling his own. He's fart. the one who farted, and she's the one going. <laughs> who, that did that? who did that? Who did that? Damn it! <laughs> I told you, fucking pan face. Wow. Anyways. Yeah, she was definitely hit with the ugly stick. Oh yeah, every Several motherfucking times. branch on the way down. Yes. Just and he found her at the bottom and was like, oh. And farted. Pan face. <laughs> right. And then farted. Come here, kiddo. Ugh. So then he started having like odd conversations. Uh, well, he made sure that she knew that they were in an open relationship. Yeah. Which is funny because at one point she started fucking a married cop. Mm. Yeah. So like, come to my home where I kill people. <laughs> right. <laughs> and hang out here and hope you don't see anything. Um, But I... Ian got like pissed. He yeah. showed up one night and was like, stay the fuck away from her, yeah. pretty much. And the cop was like, all right, bye, Panfin. <laughs> um, she said that if she would have never met Ian, she would have married him and had kids. Uh, I think his wife would have been upset yeah. about that. Yeah. Just saying. Probably. Um, dude, she had to have like, she had to have taken it in the butt. That's the only thing. She had to have. Yeah. Or fucking beyond no, great it's, it's, blow job. It's in the butt. And that's a, that's a control thing. Because a girl can do whatever she fucking wants to a dude. And the dude is always going to win if he can look at her and go, I did fuck you, you in, in the, the butt. butt. Yep. He's always going to win. Yep. There's our PSA for the night. <laughs> um, so then he's like, well, everybody has enemies, you know, and everybody wants to see someone die. And if you say that you don't, you're lying. Yeah. And he's like, who do you want to see die? And she immediately was like, Ronnie Sinclair. What the fuck did he do to you? (laughs) Yeah. He didn't do shit to you. You broke up with him. Right. 
So she got like super vivid with the details, saying that she wanted him humiliated and she wanted to watch, but she wanted him terrified. Mm. Now, this got Ian all fucking hot and bothered because he's like, holy shit, she's evil, just like I am. Yeah. (laughs) So they fucking planned it. They started planning this murder. Yeah. Now, this is the same guy who got teased as a teenager and like 10 years later went to find him and was like, I was just going to go stab him when he opened the door. Jesus. And some lady came out and was beating a rug and he was like, nah, I guess I really didn't want her to watch. So uh, I walked away. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah. So they they planned it, like meticulously planned it. And he's very, very smart when mm-hmm. it comes to shit like this. Yeah. Um, But he ended up getting into a motorbike accident. So it kind of put the plans on the back burner. Can you say motorcycle? Because motorbike just, I think of like a bicycle with a little motor on I it. I think that's what it was. I think it was like a moped. I don't think it was oh. a motorcycle. Yeah, I think it oh. was like a moped. Well, alrighty then. It was a motorbike. Motorbike. <sighs> so Myra at one point claimed that Ian said he'd kill himself if she left. And his response to that was, quote, she flatters herself. <laughs> Jesus. God, you're such a dick. Right? Oh, God. They drank a bottle of wine daily. Um, And like I said, this is where uh, like he wanted weird things in bed and she said she had to drink first. One of the things that he liked was to have a candlestick stuck in his butt. In his poop chute? Yeah. A candlestick. Yeah, right in his butt. And later, when the cops are searching the house, one opens the drawer, and he's like, what are these for? And Ian's like, I wouldn't touch those. Those have been in my butt. <laughs> Might have a poop stain on it. <laughs> this is after they knock on the door, and they're like, where's the man of the house? And Myra's like, there's no man here. And the cop's like, ma'am, who's the gentleman on the couch behind you? He and takes it in like, the butt, too. <laughs> Forrest Gump waving. Hi. Hi, <laughs> Lieutenant Diane. Don't touch those candles. <laughs> Don't touch the candles. I take it in the butt, too, so, in the poop chute. Um, so by June of 1963, Myra's living with Gran, like full time. And Ian is essentially living there, too. They never live together, though, like officially. Yeah. So their pillow talks. Chance, we were just talking so good about you. So, like I was saying before, Chance interrupted. He mm. wanted to make his presence known. Yes. He hasn't in a while. Um, so their pillow talks started turning into talks about uh, committing the perfect murder. They spoke a lot about a book called Compulsion by Meyer Levin. Yeah. It was a 1956 novel that turned into a 1959 movie. It's a fictionalized account of Leopold and Loeb, who, have you heard of them? No. Oh, we're going to get there. So the the book is about two well-to-do young men who attempt the perfect murder of a 12-year-old, but escape death because of their age. Really? Now, Leopold and Loeb is a true story. Really? Of two men from Chicago. This is the one I told you about that I kind of fell into this. Yeah. So in May of 1924, they kidnapped and murdered a 14-year-old boy hoping to demonstrate superior intellect, which they believed enabled and entitled them to carry out, quote, the perfect crime without consequence. 
Wow. So it's a, it's a true story. That's in interesting. So I would like to, we'll probably end up doing that. As a case. Well, and uh, <coughs> when was this? 1924. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of them, their, their dad was like the uh, fucking VP of Sears and Roebuck. Yeah, I would definitely like to do this one. So, yeah. So, eventually the talks turned into like actual conversations and making plans. And... Kind of like us. Hey, babe, let's fucking kill this person. Yeah. (laughs) I mean. Right? Yeah. (laughs) I hate this person. Let's fucking kill him. Let's whack him. Oh, my God. I made a comment today that made one of the guys at work look at me like. Huh? The fuck? And my, obviously, Craig, whatever, was like, it's all right, dude. She's serious. <laughs> right. I was like, shut up. They're going to believe you. And he's like, they should. They should. He's She's the one that just, evil. when you call me and I'm like, my, mind your fucking business. He just giggles in the background. So, right. um, so Ian said at this point that the way that Myra looked up to him made him confident enough to know that this was the time mm. to commit murder. So at some point during their pillow talk, he was like, hey, Excuse me. So yeah, um right? I wanna um I wanna kill a kid. Ooh. And uh I, I, I wanna I wanna rape a kid and kill a kid. Oh that escalated quickly. And she was like, Okay, let's do this. Like what? what the So they How the fuck are you okay with that? They go to the neighbors, knock, knock, knock. Hey, can we borrow your van? And the neighbor's like, sure. What? Okay. Just she, the neighbor even, eventually like gives them the van. Really? God. But it's it's a black van. So it's like your first era uh, cre- raper van. Yeah, creeper van. Um, so like they started driving around looking for a victim. Yeah. Um, Ian would take pictures of kids playing uh, at schools. They would follow kids. They would take notes. The only thing he said was he would take her to Scotland often because that's where he was from. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, why don't we ever take one of these kids? And he said, oh, no, no, we will never harm another Scotsman's child. Why? What what the fuck does it matter? Braveheart? I don't fucking know. Yeah. We fight for our freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. So they discussed how to get a child into the van. And they used Myra because she's a woman and children are more comfortable around women. Um, but they would practice by Myra like going limp so he could practice carrying a limp dead child to the car. What? Holy shit. They knew immediately that they were going to bury these bodies at Saddleworth Moor because that's where they hung out all the time. Right. Um, They picked out and often visited the locations that they would eventually use. Mm -hmm. Um, Ian is smart. He's too smart yeah. for his own good. Um, they planned these murders meticulously and made sure that they took care of what he called forensics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his rules were uh, there could be no connecting threads. Can't be anybody that we know, anybody that we know that they know that they know that Kevin Bacon knows. Like that, so, That is smart. The Kaszurskis would be golden because everybody knows a motherfucking Kaszurski <laughs> somewhere. Right. So, <laughs> He would make sure they don't leave tire marks, footprints, hairs, or fibers. 
They were to bring a duplicate set of clothing to every murder. So immediately after the murder, yeah, they would uh, cut up and burn the original clothing. Smart. He said you would have to clean immediately. We don't wait. We we clean immediately. Um, He had a set of locked luggage that he kept at Manchester Central Station in the lost luggage department that only he could get to. And that's where he would keep any incriminating evidence if they kept any. Dude, he's Um, smart. False plates for the cars every time. Yeah. They would get new weapons and shovels every murder and destroy them after. That's fucking smart as shit. He also wanted to make sure that they had alibis, but alibis that could be viable for up to 14 days. Meaning, you know, if you ask me what I did yesterday, I'd be like, I don't, I don't fucking know. Yeah. I fuck. I don't remember. He wanted an alibi that you would be able to remember and prove for up to 14 days. Dude. This dude is on it. Mm -hmm. So the very first night they went to go out, he went to leave the house and he asked his mom, is the clock right? So now she can alibi him. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. honey, the clock's right. It's this time. So now she remembers he was at home at this time. Yeah. Yeah. So they decided that July 12th of 1963, that was going to be the day. So um, after work, she would drive the van and he would follow on his motorbike. And if he spotted a victim, he would flash his headlight. Um, they went. They were going down Gorton Lane and he signaled Myra, but she didn't stop. So when they finally stopped and pulled over, he's like, uh, fuck. Yeah. And she's like, no, no, no. I recognized her. Her name is such and such. She's my mom's like neighbor's kid. Mm-hmm. And she's eight. Like, people will notice. Right. So, they go back out looking again. And this time, he signals at 16-year-old Pauline Reed. She was walking down uh, Froxmere Street on her way to a dance. Now, she originally was told she couldn't go to the dance. And then her mom kind of conceded and was like, go. And then, because she was so excited about going to the dance, her mom gave her her favorite locket to wear. Uh So... She actually was a classmate of Myra's sister, Maureen. Excuse me. So Myra pulled over for her. Oh, you don't want to look at me anymore? No. I'm getting tired. God damn it. You're like, no. Yeah. Fuck. Because I'm I'm trying to go back and forth, like looking down, then looking up, then looking down. Oh, you don't. You can look at me. I'll I'll look down. No, you can keep them off. No, I'm fine. Um, so Myra offered her a ride and Pauline knew her, you know, so Pauline's friends are, are waiting for her. Obviously, they're all going to this dance together. Um, so Myra was like, we kind of figured at that point that she would draw less attention than an eight year old. Yeah. So once in the van, uh, Myra asked Pauline if she would help her find a glove. Like that was their ruse. That Myra had this glove and it was a special glove. It was sentimental and it was lost at Saddleworth Moor. Can you come help me look for it? Yeah. And people were like, yes, because it's the 60s and nothing bad happened in the 60s. Exactly. Nothing fucking happened. (sighs) So Ian brought knives, uh, camera, binoculars, binoculars to make sure that nobody was in the vicinity enough to hear them. Wow. Yeah. This dude is on it. Yeah. Um, so now there's, they have two different stories. Yeah. So I'll try it. I've tried to 
to combine them so I wouldn't have to go back. But um, he showed up with the the two ladies. He said that when he pulled up, Myra and Pauline were smoking cigarettes in the van. Myra said that um, he was there to help them search. And he said, this was, this is evil at its finest. He said that while he was riding his motorbike to the moors, all he could think of was that he was riding past all of these people who had no idea what he was on his way to do. And that his life was about to change. And because of what he was going to do, everybody else's lives were about to change. That's and nobody evil thinking. fucking knew it. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. evil. Yep. At its finest. Nobody knew it and nobody would think about it until later when they would go, Wait, wait a minute, we saw that guy. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. evil at its finest. So now Ian said that, you know, he pulled up, the girls were smoking cigarettes in the van, and he gave Myra the groucho, which was the eyebrow thing mm-hmm. that I'm trying to do to you that I can't do, and now I feel like a fucking idiot. Yeah. Um, that was signal to, like, we're going to attack her now. Mm-hmm. So he grabbed Pauline in what he called a Japanese stranglehold, so like a chokehold. Don't, Ch- don't get fancy, Ian. Yeah, right. Don't get fucking fancy. It's a fucking chokehold. Um, they fell to the ground. Um. She was begging Myra to make him stop because she knew Myra. Yeah. Now, Ian doesn't know this. He doesn't know that um, she... Yeah. So okay. there's there's a connection at some point. I'll get to it. But Ian doesn't know that they know each other. So she's begging Myra to make him stop. And Myra just smiled down at her and told her to be quiet. <sighs> so then she started telling Myra, tell him I'm unwell. And Ian's like, well, what the fuck does that mean? She's unwell. And Myra's yeah. like, she's got her period. She didn't want to be raped. So Myra actually undressed her. They raped her together. And then Myra grabbed the locket off her neck, ripped it off her neck and said, you won't be needing this where you're going. Now, Ian's big thing was he wanted his victims to be surprised. Mm -hmm. He didn't want him to know it was coming. So before he could even think about it, he reached up and he slapped Myra in the face. He then said that he let the silence just take over so Pauline would know what was going to happen. And because Myra was so pissed because she just got bitch slapped, she looks up at Ian and says, she's Pauline Reed. We just broke our first rule. So Ian was a photographer and he had photographed Maureen, which is Myra's sister, Mm -hmm. for her then boyfriend, David Smith. David Smith comes in later. Okay. Now... Myra was pissed because David had been seen walking with another girl. Okay. That was Pauline Reed. Ah. So, you you fucked my sister's boyfriend. Yeah. Basically. Yep. So, yeah. So, Ian's like, what the, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. Um, Son of a bitch. Now, he says he went to the van and left Myra alone with Pauline. When he came back, Myra was on top of Pauline, screaming for help. She had tried to stab her, but the knife was too dull. Uh, so she just beat the fuck out of her, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Ian then steps in and slices her throat. Uh, at one point, he left a four-inch incision that severed her voice box. Oh, my God. So basically decapitated her. Right. Now, if you ask Myra, she waited in the van. 
She she had she had no part in any of oh, it. Oh, of course. She had no part in yeah. the rape, the sexual assault. The sure. Nothing. She waited in the van, and Ian came back to the van disheveled, and she asked Ian if he raped her, and he said, of course I did. Mm. And then he went back and buried the body. Yeah, she's a lying sack of shit. Yeah. Well, and Ian's like, she, she was fucking there. Yeah. She was there. She participated. She held her down. Like, she did it. So then Myra admitted that not only did she take the necklace, but she took cash out of her wallet. Mm -hmm. And Ian, she's lucky that Ian didn't fucking kill her because she like broke every fucking rule right off the bat. Yeah. So they ended up burying the money and the locket in a different place in the moors. Okay. Uh, They then went back to Myra's house and watched a movie and had sex, drank some wine and fell asleep. Well, that's what you do. I mean... Obviously. I mean, that's a day's work. Now, Myra would later say that she saw Pauline's mom out looking for her. Yeah. But Pauline's brother was like, bullshit. No, that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, Myra said that she wasn't into it at all. What did you just do? I have that, my fever blister on my nose. Oh. It hurts. Um, So I have, that's, I have a cold because I have a fever blister. The HIV? It's not the HIV. Oh, my God. Um. So she said she wasn't into it at all, and the only reason she participated was because Ian said if she didn't, he would put her in the same grave. Mm. To which Ian says, a bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Myra's a lion's shit. So. Yeah, she is. Pauline's mom said that she sat on the couch with her coat on for three months and um, ended up having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. She took a job as an Avon lady so she could knock on people's doors. To see if she could find oh, Pauline. Oh my God, that's heartbreaking. She would ride the bus for miles. She did say, though, at some point, Myra did come up to her and apologize for Pauline being missing. Really? How fucking dare you? You fucking cunt. That's the only way to explain it. Yep. So now, wow. Ian. That's some balls. He started a thing where he would give Myra records like a a record of a song Mm -hmm. to commemorate what they would do. And when they would want to relive the the murders, they would hum the song. Mm. Weird. Yeah. So it's creepy. In November of 63, Ian, uh, according to Myra, Ian decides that he needs guns, but he can't buy them because he's got a record. Mm. So she buys them, but they never use them. None of their victims are ever shot. Yeah. So November. Why buy them? What? I, I don't what know. What the fuck? Um, November 23rd of 1961. Now they're saying they're excited and they want to do it again. But Ian says that he wants a child because Pauline fought too much. So they decide to look at a market in Ashton Underline, which is, I guess, a place. Sure. Um, Myra ended is up. Is it like jewels? Yeah, it's like jewels. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Myra ended up uh, renting a car. She picked up Ian. Um, He had a record for her because, you know, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, They hung out at the lake for a little while and hiked. Dude, these uh, fucking hiking and journals. Come on. Yeah. I just I can't get into it. It's too much effort. It's way too much. All of my shoes are slip ons. Do I have to tie a pair of boots? I, I just can't do it. I can't well, you, do it. You literally well, can't do I, it. And listen, I'm not strapping could, you I'm, on my fucking back to go up a goddamn mountain. Even when I could walk, no. babe, I fucking hated no. walking down the street. We'll put it on the TV. We'll pretend. Yeah. So 
this bitch ends up putting on a disguise because, you know, you can't tell it's a disguise. She puts on a dark wig and a headscarf um, Mm. and then goes into a store to buy a shovel, a knife, rope, and cord. Now, I've said this before. Your nice murder kit. Do you think the people at Walmart are like, what is this bitch doing? I guarantee they're like, hmm. This person is off to a murder. Yep. I'm not going to ring up this shovel. Nope. You have a great night. Yep. I do not drive a green Ford in the parking lot. Right. No. <laughs> Fuck that. Oh, my God. So. Have a nice killing. Mm, they go to Manchester and see a James Bond movie. Well, you got to. I mean, you have to, right? Um, At four o'clock, they go to the market and they put a sheet in the trunk along with the shovel, the knife, and a flashlight. Within minutes of being at the market, Ian finds 12-year-old John Kilbride. Uh, John is the oldest of six. He takes pride in helping people, including his family, and he loves to sing. Yeah. Uh, he went to the market that day with two other friends, both named John. So John, John, John. Um, because they would go and help the merchants like clean up and pack up, and they could right. they could get food and money like just to do it you know that's Mm -hmm. what they did um he was wearing his father's old vest under his shirt that his mom had sewn to fit him and he was wearing a jacket with football buttons Mm. yeah uh ian led myra right to john and was like why are you why are you out so late like we're parents we'd be worried you got it's like five fucking 30 it's not um and they're like we'll drive you home and he's like, okay, because, you know. Because uh. nothing happens. So they end up telling him, listen, Myra lost this glove at Saddleworth Moor. If you come help us look for it, like, we have a bottle of sherry at home you can take to your parents. Like, mm-hmm. and he's like, a gift for my parents. Like, that's great. Oh, this part hurts me. Um, So they get in the car and they're driving to the moors. And Ian would later say that you could tell... John was starting to get nervous. Mm -hmm. He was starting to realize that something Something wasn't wasn't right. right. Um, And the thought of a child having that switch flipped Mm -hmm. where he's like, I'm going to get a present for my parents. And then all of a sudden knowing like, I'm not going home. Like, I I couldn't even imagine that. It hurts my heart as a parent and it makes me want to throw up. Um, So Ian had a flashlight, a cord and the knife. Myra said that she did her job. All she had to do was convince, like she had to find the the victim. So she said she waits in the car and Ian comes back to the car disheveled and he's holding a child's shoe. And she said, well, what the fuck is that? And he's like, well, I buried it. Well, when I buried him, I must have forgotten about it. Yeah. Um, He said that he, per Myra, he sexually assaulted him but couldn't slice his throat because the knife was dull. Which Ian later was like, we learned the first time you can't have a dull fucking knife. Yeah. Um, so she says that she did what she had to do. She dropped him off. She moved a rifle, drove around, flashed her fucking headlights. Yeah, this whole big thing. Yeah. And Ian's like, well, she's full of shit because we we didn't have the guns then. We didn't buy the guns for a year after that. Like, check the receipts. And they did. They, they didn't have the guns. Hmm. So why they're bringing a gun, I don't know. But he said that Myra was distracted. He had to give her the Groucho three times before she actually paid attention. The Groucho. Yeah. Um, they both took John to the ground. 
Ian raped him and then <sighs> manually strangled him while Myra held him down. Jesus. And then as they were burying him, Ian slapped him on the back and then raised his fist to the sky and said, take that, you bastard. Talking about God. Like, fuck you, God, basically. What the yeah. fuck? So his brother, Danny, who he was best friends with, started going door to door at about 8 o'clock looking for him. And about 9 o'clock, they called the police. Uh, the following Monday, it was all over the Manchester News. And Myra and Ian at work were like, yeah, did you guys hear about this? Bah, 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 you know. And Ian would say, quote, audience is the value and the quality of the act. Mm. So he wanted people to pay attention. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the following Wednesday, they went back to the gravesite for what they would call recognizance. They wanted to make sure they didn't leave anything there. Mm. Um, plus, the search was getting close to the Morse, so they really wanted to make sure. Yeah. Um, mom, his mom continued to cook dinner and set his spot every night. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's heartbreaking. On December 1st of 1963, 2,000 volunteers showed up to the Moors. Um, a businessman offered a reward, and you know what? They never found Pauline. Really? Searching. They, this time, they didn't find okay. her. Um, they even called a psychic in. Oh, and I know how boy. much you love a psychic. but Jesus Christ. It was a lot to write down, but the psychic really pinpointed sure. where he was. Sure, and they did. later brought it up to Ian Brady, and he was like, listen, these fuckers can make anything out of something. Yeah. So even he didn't believe it. But um, it, it, the, the two of them said that they loved to imagine the chaos and the pain that they were causing the parents. Um, John's brother said that his mom would sing when she did the dishes and cleaned, but after this, everything stopped. Yeah. Um, Ian and Myra went to the Moors on New Year's Eve and toasted John. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. So in February of 1964, they started taking pictures of the grave sites with their dog puppet, but like nobody knew they were grave sites, yeah. you know? Um, and Ian would find great joy in mixing these pictures in with regular photo albums to see it, you know? Yeah. Piece mm. of shit. Um, May 15th of 1964 would have been John's 13th birthday, and his mom bought him presents and wrote him a card. Oh, my God. Saying it, it's all here. Babe, that's it's all here when you come terrible. home. I know. I know. Um, Myra at this point buys a mini pickup, which is like. It's like a Mr. Bean car. So June 16th, 1964. Um, really no cooling off period. Yeah. Myra gets dressed up in her disguise and she picks up Ian. Um, they're driving around. They're not driving around long and immediately see 12-year-old Keith Bennett alone. Uh, he's one of six. His stepsister is his best friend. Um, his mom was going out for bingo. She was seven months pregnant. And she would go to bingo every once in a while. The kids would go to grandma's for the night. Grandma yeah. would walk them home in the morning. So while they were walking to grandma's, Keith saw his friends and asked if he could go. Um, and mom's like, yeah, just go to grandma's after. So he ran across the street, turned and waved at mom. And that was the last time she saw him. Um, Myra sees him immediately and asks him if he can help with some boxes. Uh, he hesitated at first, but then he got into the front seat because Ian was in the back. Uh, at one point, Ian asked um, Myra to pull over and had Keith get in the back. 
And he was telling Keith, you know, Myra lost this glove. She's very sad. Is there, you know, is there any way you could come help me look for it? Excuse me. So Ian, on the other hand, says that he was not in the car when they picked him up. He was on a totally different street and he met them at the Moors. Um, and he says that they walked about three miles into the Moors and Myra kept telling him, you'll be home soon. Myra, on the other hand, said that she waited for Ian for 40 minutes. So again, different. Um, so now instead of giving the Groucho, Ian said that when it was time to take him down, essentially, mm-hmm. he would whistle when you wish upon a star. Babe, you're fucking killing me. I'm telling me. you, this one's, yeah. Um, so Ian said that he strangled him with his bare hands and that Myra and Ian buried him together and they placed a large boulder by his grave. He's never been found <sighs> to this day. He's the one that has not been found. Ian and Myra will not say where he is. All they say is, I'm surprised the police haven't found him with the metal detector because he allegedly had a zipper on his jacket. Yeah. He's never been found. Oh, Jesus. He's the only one that's never been found. Really? Mom went into preterm labor mm-hmm. at seven months. Um, she ended up dying in 2012, and she was buried with Keith's broken glasses. He had broken his glasses, and she planned on getting them fixed that day. Yeah. Um, they. Uh, it's Ian allegedly says he took a picture of Keith after the murder, but it was blurry, so he didn't save it. Um, Now, no one knew anything was wrong until the next morning because he never went to grandma's, and she thought he just went home to mom. And mom just assumed that he went to grandma's. So they didn't know until the next morning. Um, Grandma blamed herself and spent her dying days searching for him. Yeah. So now Keith's parents and John's parents are like, wait a minute. These could be fucking connected. So John and Keith's moms end up meeting up to talk about it. Really? And it becomes like a big news thing. They're like, oh, morning mothers meet. Leave them the fuck alone. Yeah. Um, eventually, though, Pauline's mom starts meeting with them. So the three moms kind of became like a, a group, yeah. essentially. Um, at one point, some fucking lady walked up to Keith's mom in public and was like, oh, are you Keith's mom? He's been chopped up and fed to the pigs. What? Who fucking says that? A fucking idiot? Mm -hmm. Myra would later say that they all walk to their own deaths like lambs to the slaughter. Oh, my God. Which she's right. She's not wrong, you know. Um, unfortunately. So August 15th of 1964, 17-year-old Maureen, Myra's sister, marries David Smith. Yeah. Pin that. Pinning it. December 26th of 1964, which is Boxing Day in the UK. It's the day after Christmas. Yeah. Uh, there's a fun fair in Ancoats. Uh, Leslie Ann Downing wanted to go to the fair, but her mom really didn't want to go. And her brother had the flu, so he couldn't take her. The neighbor's like, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to take my son and I'll take him. No mm-hmm. big deal. Yeah. Well, she decides at the last minute that she doesn't want to go, so she sends the kids by, herself, by themselves. Which wasn't a bad thing then you know so no so they're at the fair and they're doing what they can do and you know when everybody else wanted to leave leslie was like well i still want to stay like i just i like being here i want to stay so they they fucking left her there oh um 
Myra and Bad Ian decision. found her by herself, and they purposefully dropped groceries and asked for help getting to the car, and then asked for help getting um, the groceries to the house. Yeah, this is the first time they take a victim to Myra's home, which is Grand's house. She still lives there. Yeah, Gam 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 Gam. What is Gam Gam? A bad boss, horrible bosses. Hor- that's right. You call your grandmother you call your Gam Gam. Gam Gam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh. Um, so, at one point, an eleven-year-old named Bernard said he was the last one to see Leslie that day, and he said that he saw her walking out of the fair with Myra holding hands voluntarily. Oh. He said, knowing what I know now. He said it's different, but at the time, like, she yeah. wasn't kicking or screaming or, you know, anything, right. you know. Right. Um, she was just this beautiful little girl with curly brown hair and blue eyes. She looked like a, a fucking doll. They took her back to Myra's house. Um, they undressed her. They gagged her. They forcibly posed her for oh, photos. Jesus Christ. She was sexually assaulted by both. Um at one there is a this was the first one they recorded too there's a 16 minute long audio clip of dear lord this little girl begging for her life um dear lord yeah, little drummer boy is playing in the background she at one point says to ian don't undress me will you i want to see mummy oh god she starts pleading to god asking for god to help her and to let her see her mom and then she starts calling them mom and dad. She's probably thinking it's going to appeal to them. Yeah. Ian is just, Ian tells her um, basically to shut up. And if you keep struggling, um, he told her he would cut her neck, her neck open. Um, Myra tells her, and now this is the one that Myra says she had no involvement in whatsoever. Mm -hmm. She's clearly on the audio saying, be quiet before I lose myself and hit you. Well, she's a lying bitch, right, so right. fuck oh, her. <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. Did your brain fall uh, out? Not yet. Um, so this one we find out later on. Um, there was a detective sergeant who said that there were grown men who had been in the war that were just resolved to tears. Yeah. And nobody obviously could hear the little drummer boy. Um her mom was forced to listen to the to the audio to identify her daughter's voice. Oh my and God. I couldn't even imagine. Her mom's husband was not Leslie's biological dad. It was her stepdad. Yeah. And he said that he would have taken that burden from her ten times over if he could. Yeah. They would not allow him to listen to the audio because he was not blood family. Oh my God. Now it comes out later too that her mom first of all, goes off on Myra in court. Right. But then she releases or gives permission to release some of the audio and some of the photos because Myra was coming up for parole and she didn't want her to get out. Good. She wanted the world to see what happened to her little girl. Oh my God. How fucking terrible. Yeah. So... They ended up not being able to bury her that night because a storm came. So they couldn't bury her until the next day uh, at Saddleworth Moors. They buried her naked with her feet or her clothes at her feet 
and her brother had given her a necklace for Christmas. Yeah. And they laid that on top of her when they buried her. Jesus. Yeah. So their last victim, hang on. Their last victim was the oldest victim. Uh, it was a 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, her sister Maureen um, had married David Smith, you yeah. know, and they had a baby. And um, David Smith and Ian became friendly at some point. And, um, really? Yeah. They said that um, Myra wanted nothing to do with the baby. She never even held the baby. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, very sad. Their, Maureen and David's baby ended up dying at six months old of oh. bronchitis. Oh, jeez. So they started hanging out with Ian and Myra more. They thought Maureen maybe just wanted to spend time with her sister. Yeah. These fucking assholes would take them to the moors, to the grave sites of these fucking kids, and take pictures of them. <sighs> and they had no idea. Dude. They had no idea. Fuck you. No idea. So... Ian goes to, to David and he's like, do you want to rob stuff with me? Like, you can make a lot of money. Now, he wasn't, David wasn't the, the best person in the world. He had a record. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't a shitbag, whatever. Um, he had criminal convictions, including actual bodily harm, which is like assault yeah. and housebreaking. You know, um, the first one happened when he was 11. <laughs> so, I mean, whoa, you know, that's mm. whatever. Yeah. So. They started hanging out, you know, and he's like, well, rob stuff. Like, I rob shit all the time. I make a shit ton of money. And David Smith was like, eh, I don't really know if I can rob. Yeah. So Ian's like, do you want to murder? Oh. Uh, what? Where'd that come from? <laughs> I don't I don't want to rob people. No, right. No, you want me so to kill somebody? I, yeah. If, if I don't want to rob someone, I probably don't want to kill them. So Ian says the best way to do it is to practice, and the best way to cr- to practice is to, not my words, people, quote, flip a queer. Okay. Find a kid, bring him back for sex. Yeah. Rob and murder him. Jesus. Yeah. So October 6, 1965, um, Myra drove Ian to the Manchester Central Railway Station. Um, a few minutes later, he met 17-year-old Edward Evans, who was an apprentice engineer from Ardwick. Uh, he gets in the car. He introduces Myra as his sister. Um, Ian would say that he picked him up for a sexual encounter, and they went back to Myra's fucking grand's house. Grand's home right now. Again. No, no, no. She's home. She's in the home this oh, time. okay. Where they relaxed over a bottle of wine. Oh. So Lovely. At, yeah, at some point throughout this, Ian tells Myra, "Go get David. Yeah, we're we're gonna learn him. We're gonna learn him." So he, oh my God! So she comes back with David and tells him to wait outside for her signal, which is going to be a flashing light. When the signal came, David knocked on the door and was met by Ian, who asked if he had come for the quote miniature wine bottles. Okay left him in the kitchen saying he was going to collect the wine. Now, this is what David says happens next. Yeah. Quote, I waited about a minute or two, then suddenly I heard a hell of a scream. It sounded like a woman, really high-pitched. Then the screams carried on, one after another, really loud. 
Then I heard Myra shout, Dave, help him, very loud. When I ran in, I stood just inside the living room and I saw a young lad. He was lying with his head and shoulders on the couch and his legs on the floor. He was facing upwards. Ian was standing over him, facing him with his legs on either side of the young lad's legs. This lad was still screaming. Ian had a hatchet in his hand. He was holding it above his head and he hit the lad on the left side of his head with the hatchet. I heard the blow. It was a terrible, hard blow. It sounded horrible. Jeez. So they... Why did that flame just get, like, huge all of a sudden? The wick is burning off oh. the top. Um, so... Like, that was creepy. Ian ends up strangling um, Edward with electrical cord. Jeez. And sprains his ankle in the process. Oh. Poor baby. Yeah. So... The body's too heavy for David to carry on his own, so they wrap him in plastic sheeting and put it in the spare bedroom. Okay? So now they're just hanging out, and poor David Smith is freaking the fuck out. He's yeah. like, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go home. Yeah. Uh, but I'll be back tomorrow. I'll help right. you dig the grave. But I'm going to go right now. Yeah. I'm going to go home. <laughs> Maureen's home by herself. I'm out. Deuces. So he he walked out. <laughs> they said that they were going to use his his deceased baby's stroller, which they call a pram, to get the body to the car the next day. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to bring the stroller back. We're good. He said that he walked to the end of the block when he knew that they couldn't see him and then took off like a bat out of fucking hell. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He got home around 3 a.m. Maureen was like, what the fuck happened to you? Mm -hmm. And she made him a cup of tea, which he drank and then puked. And then told her everything. There you go. So he called the police at 6.10 a.m. He waited for daylight so he would be able to see behind his back. And he armed himself with a screwdriver and a bread knife. Yeah. Because he had to go to a payphone, you know. He was picked up by a police car, which he like did a baseball slide into. In case Ian was next to him. So he ends up telling the police everything that happened. Mm Mm-hmm. So the police trying to get into the house, go knock on the door. You know, they're going to go knock on the door. Right. The detective sergeant was like, these fuckers aren't going to open the door for me. So there's a bread delivery man down the street. So he goes up to the guy and he's like, hey, let me buy your bread. (laughs) So he knocks on the door and he's like, hi, I'm here to deliver bread. And Myra's like, we didn't order any bread. And he's like, neither did I. I'm the police. (laughs) Back the fuck up. So this is when he's like, where's your husband? And she said, I don't have a husband. And he says, well, where's the man of the house? Because at this point, he had called off sick because he sprained his ankle. Well, yeah. With all that murdering. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And Myra had to go to work. They both can't miss. So. She's like, I don't have a husband. He said, where's the man of the house? And she said, there is no man of the house. And that the cop was literally like. he takes like, it in the poop chute. He's the guy on the couch. Right. Like he's literally sitting on the couch in, in his fucking underwear. Right. Sitting on the couch. And she's like, there's no man here. Ma- ma- ma'am, I could, I could see. Miss, what are you talking about? Oh my God. So now Gran was home and she was woken up by him getting hit in the head. Mm -hmm. Ian would later say that he would have been able to kill Edward with one blow, but he moved. So it took 14 more strikes. So I'm pretty sure one wouldn't have done it, my dude. Um, They wanted to get into the spare room to search the house. And she's like, it's at the office. I'm not 
I'm not going to get it. And mm-hmm. this is when they start searching the house and they find, you know, the candles that go in his butt. In his butt. Um, <laughs> so, butt play. Yeah. So they are now, they're not talking about anything, but they are arrested. Mm-hmm. So criminal, poor, you know, bad guy, David Smith. Yeah. Brought down. Ian Brady and Myra Hindley. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Yes. So now they start finding things. They end up taking um, Myra's prayer book. And the candlestick. And the candlestick. <laughs> which they there was there was things in the prayer book. They found uh, an exercise book with John Kilbride's name on it. Um, wow. So they also get a hold of the luggage. And they, because Myra just starts singing like a fucking canary. I didn't, I didn't do any of this. He made me do it. He oh, made what me a do bitch. It. Um, so they get a hold fucking of these. Face. Um, the luggage. Fucking pan face. On October 15th. Um, so they find her prayer book. And then allegedly inside one of the suitcases, because Myra would say she didn't even know what was in them. Mm-hmm. Um, allegedly they found nine... Uh, Pornographic photos of Les- Leslie Ann Downey um, naked with a scarf tied across her mouth. And this is where they found the audio tape. Um, <clears throat> so they make inquiries at the neighboring houses and find out that there's a little girl by the name of Patricia Hodges, who is 12, mm-hmm. who had been taken to Saddleworth Moore by uh, Ian and Myra several times, but said that she was never harmed by them. Yeah. There's things later that contradict that. But um, they end up finding Leslie Ann Downey uh, buried in her shallow grave on October 16th. Um, It was first presumed to be John Kilbride's grave, Mm -hmm. but it was later identified to be Leslie Ann Downey. Um, There's a picture here with her dog. I'll show you the picture. She's crouched. You see her? Yeah. That's over John Kilbride's grave. That's how they would take the pictures. Um, uh, David Smith said that Brady, or excuse me, that Ian told him that there was photographic proof of multiple murders. However, they couldn't find any of these pictures. Yeah. Um, On October 21st, they found the, quote, badly decomposed body of Kilbride, which had to be identified by clothing. Um, That was the same day that um, Ian... Myra and David Smith were all seen at Hyde Magistrates Court charged with the murder of Leslie Ann Downey. Uh, They were brought before the court separately and remanded in custody for a week. They made a two-minute appearance on October 28th and were again remanded into custody. David ended up not being charged. Okay. So, um, they started investigating other... Which I'm kind of glad. Yeah. I, I mean... Yeah, he didn't get charged with first degree. No. Um, now, they had just abolished the death penalty. Oh. Like two months before they got arrested. Are you serious? Yeah, I know. Um, <clears throat> so by December 2nd, Ian had been charged with the murders of John Kilbride, Leslie Ann Downey, and Edward Evans. And um, Myra had been charged with the murders of Leslie Ann Downey and Edward Evans. With uh, being an accessory to the murder of Kilbride. Good. Um, again, he was charged. They were charged in all the murders as well as. Um, uh, oh, 
No, that's the wrong sentence. Um, they were tried together, actually. Were they um, really? Yeah, they were tried together. They got to sit next to each other and like hold hands. Oh, and, lovely. You know, Myra needed her hair bleached and, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, oh. they just had to. Fucktards. So now they they determined when the photos were taken over mm. the graves yeah. by getting a veterinary surgeon to examine the pictures of the dog to determine his age. Really? The dog's name was Puppet, by the way. So now, because of this, Myra lost her shit in court, and this was the only time that she had shown any emotion. Um, they had given Puppet a general anesthetic, which he did not wake up from. So Myra said, I feel as though my heart's been torn to pieces. I don't think anything could hurt me more than this. Mm. Leslie and Downey's mom was in the front row. I would have fucking... mm. Babe, better people than us. (laughs) On April 19th of 1966, the 14-day trial began... Uh, the 14 days. 14 days, yep. The dock was fitted with bulletproof glass to protect the two of them because it was feared someone might try to kill them. Yeah. Probably because all of the parents were like, we're going to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> so, right? Yeah. Um, Rightfully so. Just saying, that's probably why. Um, they both entered pleas of not guilty. Oh, fuck you. Ian testified for eight hours, Myra for six um, Ian admitted to striking Edward with the axe, but claimed that someone else actually killed him and uh, said that he, that's proof because they said that his death was accelerated by strangulation. Fuck idiot. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they attempted to play the entire 16 minute tape recording of Leslie and Downing to the court. Um, it, it did not go well. I, I could imagine. Yeah. Um, Myra tried to claim during her testimony that she was looking out of an open window and that she was drawing a bath for Leslie and she did not participate in the murders. Sure. You and they're lying like, bitch. You're on the fucking tape. Yeah. You're a we lying can bitch. can hear you. Uh, on May 6th, after a little over two hours of deliberation, the jury frown- found Ian Brady guilty of all three murders and Myra Hinley guilty of the murders of Leslie Ann Downey and Edward Evans. Uh, as the death penalty for murder had been abolished while Brady Damn and it. Hinley, I know, were held on remand, the judge passed the only sentence the law allowed, which was life imprisonment. Ian was sentenced to three concurrent life sentences and Myra was given two plus a concurrent seven-year term for harboring Ian in the knowledge that he had murdered John Kilbright. Good. <clears throat> An extra fuck you. Yep. So now um, Myra tried to, she tried to get parole multiple times. She petitioned per, for parole. Why was she even, <clears throat> why was she even given the chance? It's different over there. You can serve like 25 years and then that's their life. Imprisonment is oh 25 years. Oh my God. Um, unless you're like deemed that you know you can't so oh well this was a case where you can't and you shouldn't be now i believe it was pauline reed's body that was found in 1987 on the moors really now um uh myra tried to get out multiple not well she petitioned for parole but she tried to really con 
Leslie Ann Downey's parents by writing to her saying, you know, rest assured your daughter was not tortured. You're full of shit. <clears throat> but said that she was going to write to the board and say that she did not deserve parole because she didn't want Leslie Ann Downey's family to continue to petition against her parole. Yeah. So she figured if she told them she wasn't going for it, it would be fine. Playing no. mind tricks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, She's fucking evil. She is uh, characterized in the press as the most evil woman in Britain. Yeah. She made several appeals against her life sentence, claiming she was a reformed woman and no longer a danger to society. Uh, but she was. Yeah. She had a heart attack. She had multiple strokes. Good. She ended up having a years-long affair with a guard. Oh, my yeah. God. Who a female f- guard. I was going to say, what yeah. male would... Yeah. She died in 2002 in West Suffolk Hospital... Uh, at the age of 60 after serving 36 years in prison. And hopefully it was a painful death. Now. Hopefully she fucking had a heart attack on a, on the shitter or something. Ian wanted to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was diagnosed as a psychopath in 1985 and confined in the high security Ashworth Hospital. He made it clear that he never wished to be released and repeatedly asked to be allowed to die. He died in 2017. What? At the age of 79. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Damn. Mm-hmm. They Fucking were called no. by the trial judge as, quote, two sadistic killers of utmost depravity. Yeah. Fuck them. That is. That's fucking terrible. Ian Brady and Myra Henley. And there's. There's so much more that I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't. That, that was a lot. Mm-hmm. That fucking Just broke that me. was a lot? That wasn't even everything that I, I couldn't, I couldn't. So she stayed in contact with Ian until 1971. Yeah. She ended their relationship because she was having an affair with the, the prison guard. Oh my God. Um, what fucking <clears throat> guard would bleh, But this, bleh. um. So in the UK, you you have to spend 25 years in prison. Yeah. So if you get life imprisonment, it's you spend 25 years and then you can petition for parole. That's crazy. Um, they kept extending it. Good. <laughs> Good. They call him the Lord Chief Justice. Hmm. He just kept increasing it by five years. Good. Yeah. Good. So. Which he should have. Mm-hmm. She. Uh, when did she die? 2002. Okay. Yeah. Good. And I just, I, Good. she, she, I, you know, and like I said, I, she lied about everything. At that point, you're fucking caught. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, and I know it's one last thing at control with like, you know, the little Keith Bennett's body. Like, you can't tell his parents where he's at. Right. Just give him let that. it go. Give him that. Give him closure. Just give him that. Yeah. And they, they wouldn't, they teased it and said, it's, it's, I can't believe they haven't found him with the metal detectors. Because it's. It's control and fucking zipper. It's fucking control Mm -hmm. and it's pure evil. Yeah, they are fucking pure. That's proof again. Yeah, that evil exists in Mm -hmm. this world. And again, the whole nature versus nurture. Yeah, neither one of them had mental illness. A shit childhood. Mental illness. Nothing like no. Even like Myra. <clears throat> she would she would lie and say, you know, that she was beat and then she would turn around and say no that she wasn't beat. And her dad would later come out after she was caught and was like, "Listen, 
I may have been a drunk and I may not have been the best person in the world, but I don't know what the fuck happened to her. And he disowned her. Wow. So, I, I mean. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, babe, but that was uh, that was heartbreaking. That one so, is a rough one. But that was interesting <clears throat> because I always thought the Moors, I thought that was a name of the victim or the killer. Nope. They were buried in the Moors. <clears throat> that makes sense now. Yep. So, well, yeah. all right. Um, guys, yeah. I hope you enjoyed this one. Are you okay? You're yeah. like. <clears throat> I'm, I have a cold. I can't help it. I don't know. I should maybe take some DayQuil or something. That might help. Perhaps. Or some NyQuil or something. I can't take NyQuil. Oh, yeah. It makes me fucking spaz out. Yeah. I mean, I could but. probably clean the entire house in about an hour and a half, but. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we're almost at two hours. And oh, shit. I got to finish my movie. Uh, guys, if you have not watched King, Mayor of Kingstown, uh, I believe it's on Paramount. Or I'm, I'm watching it on Amazon. It's fucking excellent. It is beyond excellent. There's two seasons. I can't wait for season three, but I don't know what's going to happen because the main actor, Jeremy Renner. Oh, they didn't film it yet before no. he got hurt. Oh, no shit. Season three isn't out. There's <clears throat> only two seasons. So because he was in that plow accident. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do for wow. season three, but I'm almost done with season two. And it Already? Is, yes. It's, <laughs> babe, I'm going to watch the whole thing over again. Yeah, I it's, know. it's excellent. But, um, oh, and by the way, did you see all the candy that I got? No. Oh, God. No, babe. What candy? Oh, I always got Twix up my sleeve. Oh, my, oh my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. How was that one? Ridiculous. <laughs> okay, so do you realize that in two weeks, yeah. we'll have been together for... 13 years really you tell another motherfucking joke like that we are not making it to 14 <laughs> just saying <clears throat> uh, i'll find another good one 13 years and we, we gotta have tony on again pretty soon it's yeah. uh, you know what what case we decided hmm. my first homicide i oh babe it's gonna be rough <sighs> it's it's a baby it's gonna Amaria. be rough but um yeah Amira. that's gonna be a yeah so, that's gonna be a bad one um but we decided you know because mm. i believe tony was on that one too he was and that w- that was my first homicide as case, a detective the, as a detective so that I little think baby was 18 months old so I think we're going to do that mm. one. So Our next case, though. Is going to be a Patreon. It's going to be a Patreon. And guys, it's going to be a doozy. Hold on. Let me text Jax because he's blowing me up. He's mad we're taking forever. Yeah, he Well, is. if he would leave us alone, we could wrap it up. Do you want me to wrap it up while you text him? No. Okay, good. Because I don't like wrapping it up. I like when you do it. Yeah. So the next one, though, it's going to be a Patreon. Yes. Next Guys, one is going to be a Patreon. It's going to be a goodie. We're doing the Murdaws. Yeah. I'm so fucking excited. It's not even funny. Yeah. So I know you're excited. Um <clears throat> Guys, it's Patreon exclusive. So if you want to be a Patreon and listen to this bonus episode, I I 
constantly posted on our social media. So um, www.patreon.com forward slash death do us part number the number one. Uh, go on there. I know some people have some hard times getting on there with the rss feed and stuff yeah we can we can get most people through it yeah so just let us know if you're having a difficult time and we'll try to walk you through it's not the best site we wish there were other platforms like it but there's not so we gotta stick with patreon the patreon's good except you can't really listen to episode full episodes on the patreon site you have to transfer that rss feed into a different platform right but so. we have numerous tiers that you can mm-hmm. choose from. So there's like 28 bonus episodes on there. Yeah, and they're big ones. That's yeah. What we we try. Yeah, on. we try to do the bigger cases as the bonus episodes. So if you want, join the family. Um, I'm but, calling it now. It's going to be a two-parter. Oh, will it? Really? But I'll make it. I'll make sure. I'll we'll make it a back-to-back. So we'll do part one on like Saturday, part two on Sunday. Like okay. It's going to be a two-parter. All right. Well, the deal. And then I have a couple of requests we're going to do, too. So, okay. Yeah. Sounds good. And I want to do Leopold and Loeb. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Yeah. See, and now Chance knows that yeah. it's almost time. So. God, people. God, everyone's bothering us. <sighs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will be talking to you soon. Bye. Bye.